0: Okay, so looking at looking at the settings, and you probably didn't look up this, but when was the first time that Nineveh appear, appears in the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, that's right, it appears back in Genesis chapter ten. Let's let's take a look at that, a quick look at that. And and looking at verse eight, I'll give you time to find it. Genesis ten eight. Cush father Nimrod, he was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was was Babel, Erech. I won't read all of those. And then skimming down 11. From that land he went into Assyria and built Nineveh. So we see that Nineveh was built. Almost immediately after after the flood, by probably the great grandson of um, of Noah. You know, it talks about Nimrod being a mighty man, a mighty hunt, hunter, and the result of that is because that Nineveh became a mighty a mighty city. Where is Nineveh? Yeah. It's in the northern part on the Tigris, Tigris River, and the, the modern city is Mosul. Oh, yeah, you hear about that. Yeah. So, um, Nineveh is in northern Iraq on the Tigris River. Um, and, and at this time, it was probably not the capital of, of Assyria. They were probably individual, individual city-states, and each of them would have their own. Their own king, so when it talks about the king in Nineveh, it was the king of Nineveh, not the king of the of the Syrian empire. What was Assyria like at this time okay that that's true, but uh, thinking more about the empire itself, but at this period of time it was in a period of of weakness um, it wasn 't later on about about 30 years, 30 40 years after this this when As- Assyria attacks um, Hezekiah and um, first had captured Israel and then goes goes after Judah but at this time Assyria is, is weak and is not pushing out and trying to expand its territory like um, like it was and um, what does yes Right, right. Yeah, because, um, and we'll look at this uh, passage here in just a minute, but um, Assyria at this time was known for its violence and its, and its cruelty. Um, if you go back to um, the period of the time of um, Manasseh, it tells that Assyria came in and took Manasseh captive and they put a hook through his nose and, and took him to Took him to Nineveh, so they were known for their known for their cruelty. Where else do we read about read about Jonah? Yeah, that's true. I was thinking more in 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 the Old Testament. I was, I was thinking I should have um, specified, but turn back to Second um, Kings chapter fourteen. And verses twenty three to um, twenty nine. I'll go ahead and read that. In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, the son of, of of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam. Now this is the second Jeroboam, and there was the Jeroboam that was king of Israel right after the king the kingdom divided. So oftentimes you'll see Jeroboam two in, in notes. But Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. And he reigned 41 years, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and that's Jeroboam 1, which he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from Lebo-Hamath, as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, bond or free, and there was no one to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under the heaven. So he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the the son of Joash. So, to see that here was a, a wicked king, but yet God extended mercy to to Israel. So we we can see then that, that Jonah had experienced God's mercy in the back to his own land. Here there was an evil king who who was completely um, following the sins of, of the first king Jeroboam, and yet God extended mercy and did not um, send them off in the, in the captivity at that time. So Jonah would have um, experienced the mercy of God, the, the compassion of God. And because of the weakness of Assyria at this time, we see here that Jeroboam was able to extend the borders of Israel back to, to what, they, what they were before. So it was a time of peace and prosperity um, during this time. Okay. Now we want to look at the characters of Jonah. Who who are the characters in this book? Jonah. Jonah. Okay. God. God, the, the, the sailors, and one other. The captain. Uh, captain. Oh, okay. Um, the, king of, the king of Nineveh and the, and and Nineveh. Um, <laughs> He's probably one of the one of the minor characters. Okay, now do you remember what a protagonist is and an antagonist? Do you remember which is which? Okay, the the protagonist is the leading character or the hero of, of a story. The antagonist is the adversary of the he, of the hero of the story so we have these two terms who's the protagonist and who's the antagonist good that's right he's the antagonist because he's the adversary but so who is the adversary to god that's right okay so we see that god is the protagonist he's the leading character of the story jonas the antagonist you know the adversary and um, we see that you know Jonah's resisting God's. Do you remember what what the word what the word foil is in in a story? I mean that's that's kind of the idea of you know something that um, yeah you can cheat. That's right. Okay, so we we see here that. That the sailors then, like you remember we were talking about some of the words, repeated the words, and we said that the sailors were, were, were afraid. And here Jonah, who, who knew God and who he was, was not afraid, but he went down to the bottom of the ship and went, went to sleep. The, and also the, also the sailors valued Jonah's life. Remember Jonah said, well, just throw me overboard. But but they didn't immediately throw him overboard. They rowed harder trying to get to the land. So so they valued life, whereas Jonah would would rather die than than repent and and obey the Lord. Um, It says the sailors, they feared feared God. Jonah did not. The sailors repented or changed. They, They became worshipers of God. And Jonah instead was just wanted to be cast cast into cast into the sea. So we see that that the pagan the pagan sailors highlight the shortcomings of what what Jonah should have been, but what he wasn't. What is another foil in in the story? Um, more of, of, of human um, exactly. Yeah. How did they act as as a foil? They they repented. Very good. Um, They repented. Jonah did did not repent. Um, And so um, they once again point out Jonah's weaknesses. Um, We looked a little bit last week at the the different types of genre. And um, let's kind of review a little bit about that. What type of genre is 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 Jonah? Remember, genre is the form of the literature, the type of the literature. It's a narrative, and uh, historical. Yes, it would be would be historical. What would you say, chapter two? What kind of literature is chapter two? Poetry. So, uh, satire. That's a, that's exactly right. Um, you, you can see how these different elements are in. You know, we had narrative, we had poetry. And one, he did mention it, but it's also, it's also didactic. It's, it's trying to teach something, teach something about who God is, what he's like. Um, and then satire, you know, it points out the, the, the foolishness of, of, of Jonah, um, let's um, look at the episodes of, of Jonah uh, I think this is really interesting if um, like Brady you have the um, ESV study Bible and it, it shows this the episodes of Jonah and how they correspond to each other but um, we have Jonah's call in, in, in flight in verses one to three God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh he, he runs the other way Jonah and the pagan sailors is uh, chapter one, verses four to sixteen. And then um, Jonah's prayer of thanksgiving is one seventeen to two nine. And corresponding to those in verses in chapter three, one to three, you have Jonah's second call and his um, rather than um, fleeing, he he obeys chapter three. Verse 3b to 10, you have Jonah and the pagan pagan Ninevites. And then in 4, 1 to 4, rather than having the prayer of thanksgiving, you have Jonah's prayer of displeasure. And then the last section is episode is Jonah's lesson in, in compassion. So you can see by putting these stories opposite each other, Jonah's first call versus his his second call. Jonah and the pagan pagan sailors versus Jonah and the pagan pagan Ninevites. Um, Jonah's prayer of thanksgiving versus then Jonah's prayer of of displeasure or anger. Okay, the the last section we want to look at is is the plot. What is the plot conflict? You can look at your, your... notes there if you want. Um, that's right. And it uses a, um, a category. It's it's called a moral or a um, spiritual conflict. And it's Jonah versus God. And like Joyce said, he's trying to, um, God is try, trying to straighten Jonah out. Okay, and what is the plot type? And this is in your notes too. You can look at those if you want. Change of character. Yes, that's exactly right. We see that, that, that the sailors change. We see that Nineveh change. But then Jonah, we don't see him change. Um, we, we assume, though, that because of the personal nature of the book of Jonah, whether it's written by Jonah or someone else. That Jonah did change because there's details here that um, probably only Jonah would would know. But at least in the book, we see that Jonah Jonah did not did not change. You, you can see how we've looked at this what four weeks now. We first we looked at the terms, and then we did we, we kind of looked at the, the the terms that were repeated over and over. Um, we looked at, we did a word word study on um, evil, and we um, looked at the different parts of that. And so, how we've come to this, you know, three or four times, and each time we're building on what, what we've learned. And so, it, it should show us that one quick reading of the text is not going to count for count for Bible study. We need to look at it in many different ways. Looking at the words, looking at the repeated phrases, doing word studies on the words. Look, looking at the settings, the plot, and then also and also the characters. Okay, Don, you have ten minutes.
1: Uh, this is an example of a Thanksgiving song uh, or a declarative praise song. That has an introduction that starts off uh, with his proclamation to praise God. I will uh, praise you. So, somebody read the first verse. Not the superscription, but the first verse. Okay. That's his intent to praise God. The Thanksgiving song was delivered in the temple. Uh, in front of uh, other worshipers there, and the psalmist comes with his, we call it testimony. Uh, I was in trouble. I called on God, and uh, God delivered me. Okay, that's in the first two uh, verses. So read that again. I'm not, I'm not coming up here. I've got both. the. <laughs> it's on my computer there somewhere. But I'm not able to accept. I, I have both the ESV and the NIV. Okay, this is, uh, this is his testimony. You have drawn me up. Later on, he's going to talk about what happened to it. Okay? And what happened to him is very nearly the same thing that happened to Jonah. This psalm and Jonah are parallel in the use of some of these terms. In his uh, case, it is metaphorical. In Jonah's case, <laughs> it's somewhat literal. <laughs> All right, so uh, you have an introductory summary report of deliverance. Uh, the, uh, verses 2 and 3. Okay, read them again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why I'm saying you're going to see that same kind of language. You, re- you brought me up out of... Shell, Where's shell huh double <laughs> tooth toothpaste all right in the in in the old place old testament, by the way, that was the place of the dead, it was where everybody went, the good, the bad and, and, and the ugly it's a place of darkness, it's a place where you're uh barred. <laughs> Jonah says uh, the 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 the, uh, gates of the underworld, the earth, were barred around me, closed around me, forever. Okay, he doesn't mean that literally. By the way, did he die? No, I'm not gone. See, I'm interpreting too much for you. See, you got to do this for yourself next time. See, but that's what that's what he's doing. See. I was in bad trouble. I was as good as dead and you brought me up. Okay, and you didn't let my enemies <laughs> gloat. <laughs> you got just what you deserved. Uh, Alright, so there's this uh introductory summary report of his deliverance. Uh you've got the outline there somewhere, don't you? Or do you? Maybe not. Okay, uh, David reports that he had called on the Lord for help and the Lord had healed him, delivered him. He had delivered his uh, kingdom from the brink of death, and the Lord had brought him up from the pit. That's another name for Sheol. The pit, the grave, uh, Sheol, uh, So, he calls on his fellow worshipers now to praise the Lord that his anger in punishing sin lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Somebody else read that. Read verses uh, 5 and 6. All right. So, he's saying God's anger is momentary. I mean, God's anger is momentary, but his favor lasts a, a, a lifetime. Okay, the background of this psalm, and I'm doing some interpreting here, the, the superscription says that this uh, psalm was, uh, was uh, written and uh, performed at the dedication of the okay. temple. Okay. This is David's, by, by the way. Was the temple built by David? No. Okay. But David did do something, by the way, that you can relate this to. And that was it? Yes, yes, but he also did something else. He bought, all the he bought all the materials, but he also dedicated it in the sense that he bought the place from Arunai Aruna. That's a better uh, pronunciation, by the way. After, by the way, the, the Lord had sent a plague. Ah, He said, "The angel of death," because David did what? He did the census. He did the census. See, and he was in the census. He was doing what? Bragging. He was bragging. He was trusting in his His own own strength, strength, his own power. (laughs) See, and God gave him a choice. Right. He had three choices. He had three choices, and he took the one and casting himself on God. Okay. This song is written against that background, and he's praising God for having delivered him. Now he reports how God had delivered him from chastening for the sin of self-pride in numbering the people. So let's read verses 7 and 8. Okay. Uh, Figures. You made my mountain strong. You made my mountain strong. Yes, yes. You can interpret this in a couple of ways, and and the translations will differ some. You made me as strong as a mountain, okay? Or you made my mountain kingdom, see, my mountain kingdom, mountain kingdom, putting Jerusalem, the city of Zion. Zion, the city of David, for the. Whole kingdom. See, it's you that made my mountain strong, not my forces. You made my uh and then what did he say? <laughs> but you hid your face. Why did God hide his face? What does that mean by the way, when you hid your face? He was angry, he was angry but he also, by the way, <laughs> turned away from me. He said, You gonna trust in your uh, army? You what trusting in your army is going to be like, I'm not going to go out with your army. Yeah. So here mountain is both to be taken literally and Yes. See, if you take mountain in that sense, you're talking about the mountain which is the capital of his kingdom, see, which is the part of the whole. See, that's that figure is called a metonymy. Where you put something for that. Washington, D.C., see, you use the word Washington, D.C., or the White House, you're not talking about the city per se, you're talking about the government, okay, okay, so those, it's that kind of figure, but you hid your face, and I was troubled, I was terrified, uh, Okay, then he talks about, you turned my mourning into, okay, you turned my mourning into dancing. What, what does he mean by that? Okay, you changed my sadness at your anger toward me. Uh, my mourning, you changed it into joy and gladness because you delivered me I made reference a a while back by the way to David as a model of what David is the model of the guy who does what is right except he's also the model of yes yes the book of uh, Chronicles is different than the book of Kings in the way they write the story. Do you, do you know who Manasseh was? Okay. Chronicles treats him differently than the book of Kings does. Do you, you remember how? Okay. Well, maybe it's sugar-coating. But the book of Chronicles is written after the exile, and the big push in Chronicles has to do with a change of heart. Repentance. So Manasseh becomes the model of repentance. That's another U-shaped plot. See, He's bad, bad, bad. In fact, he's charged in the book of Kings with being the main guy who's responsible for the exile. In the book of Chronicles, it looks at it from a different sense. See? Uh, people write the story the way they want to. Is Bill Clinton good or bad? No, I'm, I'm, I'm asking that seriously. It depends on who's writing the story. Yes. Well, are we assuming that Manasseh didn't change his mind? Are you saying that the Chronicles not inspired and the Kings is? That's all I'm saying. That's all I. That's all I'm trying to say. See, they're writing the story from a perspective, from a certain theological perspective. Just like there's a difference between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See, they're emphasizing certain different things. Uh, all right, have I? given you enough that you can look at the book of Jonah, second chapter, you're going to have to go because I goofed again, see? I went too long. Well, the purpose of this whole thing, by the way, is to help you to be able to do it for yourself. See, uh, I can stand up here and do it, but you won't get nearly as much if you don't answer the kind of questions that Paul was asking. When you do this for
0: yourself, do you write things down or do you just figure
1: it out in your head? No. Nope. <laughs> I write things down. I, I write things down and I mark them all up. See those, those papers that I do? I don't I, I don't study a passage without making that kind of uh, uh, outline uh, on, on Jonah. Because it, he, it helps you. I mean, Paul, uh, uh, even after I had done this, Paul came back and he he showed me a couple of ones that I hadn't seen before. And I've been teaching the book of Jonah for 30 years. So, (laughs) things are going to fall through the cracks. Jonah 2, you're going to look at it as poetry. Okay, that's another declarative praise psalm. What is Jonah thanking God for? See, and What is he, uh, there's a verse, by the way, that's going to be somewhat key to that. Uh, Those who pay regard to vain idols abandon, forsake their loyal love. But I, what in the world is Jonah doing there? What does he mean they abandon, they forsake their loyal love? But I. I. See, and what does that tell you about Jonah in the belly of the whale? Yes. Paul's point, by the way, is is, uh, well taken. We don't see Jonah repenting in the book. See, we see Jonah as this uh, petulant grouch. See, because he's mad that God, that God is doing things according to his character, but not according to the way he wants things to turn out. Yeah. See, he makes this prophecy in, uh, in, the, in, in the period uh, where he's uh, under this king, uh, uh, Uzziah, that the, that the nation's going to expand. Well, here's this nation, Assyria, which has been bad bad and getting bigger and bigger and they're getting smaller and smaller Jonah says Good. you just keep small you'll have all these little bitty uh, city states See, we don't want you to get big and harmful to us Jonah doesn't like the fact that they might repent and if they repent because of God's character what's God going to do? Yeah. Does he want him to be blessed? He wants justice. Do we have any people like that, by the way? Yeah, i like that See, these, these, these books were written not just for history, they were written for theology. They're written to teach us who we are and what we're like, <laughs> and to make us change.